millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, brought to you by Buckmore Park, the home of British karting, and the patrons of Missed Apex. Go to patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex to support us and get all our bonus content and vlogs. This episode is called Viva La Spina. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Trumpets. How's it going, Matt? Well, it's going pretty well, if you consider the fact that over on this side of the pond, it is officially Mother's Day. Why are you here? Um, because my wife has chosen to write today and has only asked that I run interference on the child, which means that in the interval between the end of all my writing and the start of the show, I've been studying maths with the girl. Good. So you're all set for F1. Now, pretty decent race, considering the three thrillers we've had before this. Expectations were low, but it was still a good two hours entertainment. Yes, expectations were low, and they managed to clear that bar entirely. And I have to say, in honor of McLaren, I am drinking pig's nose scotch today. Excellent. Why don't we get your race in 60 seconds? All right. Well, apparently I've backed myself into a corner with this one. So um, here's my best attempt at it. And I know that really what you like best about this feature it's only 60 seconds. Lights out. Hamilton leads. Vettel second. Grosjean spins. Crash, crash. Safety car. Hulkenberg out. Rogro out. Gasly out. Restart. Nürburgring 24 ends. Dark clouds. Vettel pits slow. Bottas pits slow. Vettel P2. Reikonen out. Hamilton pits. Verstappen leads. Ocon disaster pit. Ricardo pits. Verstappen pits. Hamilton leads. Ocon out. Virtual safety car. Vettel pits. Bottas P2. Verstappen P3. Restart. Danny Ricky spins. Verstappen hits Stroll. Sorotkin off. Alonso gets Leclerc. Van Dorn. Penalty. Van Dorn out. Dark clouds. Espresso. Toast. Toast. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Danny Ricky goes fast. Perez gets Leclerc. Checkers. Couldn't help a little bit of padding at the end there, my friend. No, no. No padding in that. None. We are an independent podcast supported by you, the listener. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, 
but we're first. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or at work. I'm also joined by Chris Rainbow Sparkle Stevens. Chris, you're back. Where have you been? I've been to a few places, um, all in the in the hope of uh, following Formula E a little bit closer this uh, season. So yeah, it's been it's been a busy time for me, but I'm glad that I've chosen the Spanish Grand Prix to uh, to come back to. Follow your dreams, little sparkles. Follow your dreams. And we have a chat room host as well with us today, looking after the live stream chat, is Justin. How's it going, Justin? How's it going, everybody? If you want to join the live stream for future shows, why not go to YouTube and search Missed Apex Podcast? Chris, give us your impressions of this track, because in a lot of ways, it was a new circuit. Obviously, the layout is exactly the same, but a brand new surface completely surprised everybody on Friday, along with strange conditions. Maybe it was um, unseasonally cool. Uh, there had been moisture in the air and the fact that it was very, very windy. Yeah, I mean, this circuit has always been about the high speed uh, corners. It's a real tester of a car. You tend to see cars two by two on the uh, grid here because it's it's just it's a, the perfect test of how a car handles. And um, so that's why they have preseason testing here. And, you know, the the guys, they know it so well, they could do a lap blindfolded. Um, but the the resurfacing has really kind of shaken things up because, you know, came down there on Friday and the, the tires just aren't biting into um, the surface. And usually those new surfaces are quite grippy. Um, but of course, changes to the tire for this race in isolation with three others, um, I think were a contributing factor to that. Uh, new surfaces generally are low degradation because there's so much, um, the, what what do they call it? The collective, the actual rocks in it are sealed over. So there's less for the tires to grab on. I don't, I don't think that the new surfaces are necessarily more grippy and the changes to the tires are only at circuits where there are new surfaces and consist of a massive, a massive four tenths of a millimeter being shaved off the tread to help the tire heat more evenly as they were identifying a problem with a disparity between the uh, bulk temperature and the tread temperature. Uh, That was my understanding of why the tires were different. And really, you know, the thing about the circuit is it's a combination of all three different types of circuit that we see. There's high speed, there's low speed, and then there's fairly long straights as well. And that's why the teams like testing there is because it, it, it really challenges the overall balance of the car and the overall setup of the car in a way that only uh, maybe one or two other tracks do all season long. I, th- I, I don't know if anybody like was actually mentioning this at the time, but one of the theories I heard as well was the fact that they had a rallycross race um, there as well between testing and, and now. And that's obviously laid down lots of different rubber. Wait a minute. Which... Hold it. What? There was a rallycross race at the Spanish Grand Prix circuit. What, so there was just yeah. parts of the track where they ran wide and off track and then back onto the tarmac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a few circuits. You you wouldn't think like Hockenheim does one, Silverstone does one now. No way! Where you um you, you have a bit of a dirt section in between the tarmac um, bits. And um, oh, yeah, there are loads of other ones. I can't think of them now. Um, but they use obviously different, very different rubber to what they're used to. So there's... In addition to there being, you know, little rubber laid down there anyway, because it's a fresh surface, you've had a different kind of rubber laid down, which the Pirelli will react differently to. Throw on on top of that, you know, the fact that you've 
you've had rain overnight as well, which is just kind of clearing it all out anyway. It was very much a, a green track all throughout the weekend. Yes, thankfully my hive brain has helped me out here, um, supplying that the name I was looking for was Aggregate. And um, we also have a note that, that there's micro and macro grip on the circuits and that the new surfaces are usually high micro and low macro, thus grippy but low deg. And that's from Motorsports Engineering. Thanks much. And Bahata Mutiamat. Thanks much for the thanks much for the assist. We do appreciate it. All right, then, Matt. Now it's time for qualifying in 15.75 seconds. Go. No, I've sprung that on you a bit. Uh, tell you what, why don't you just give us a quick rundown of qualifying because I do want to get onto the race. Uh, well, I, I think, you know, the, the thing about qualifying is, to no one's surprise, Mercedes were fast here. They looked fast over a lap on Friday, and they were fast over a lap on, on Saturday. What was really surprising to me, and I think everybody, was how many teams qualified on the sauce because it wasn't just Red Bull. Normally, it's Mercedes and maybe Ferrari, but it was Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull, and even Haas made Q3 on the soft tires. And, and Alonso was running ridiculously fast laps on the medium. And this points a problem for Pirelli that the gaps in between these compounds are maybe not as big as they needed them to be. Well, Sparkles, not only were they not big, it was kind of, it felt like it was reversed at some point. Like people felt they could go faster on the softs than the super soft. And a couple of them did. Uh, I mean, Ricardo and ultimately Raikkonen, after he botched his first lap in Q3, ended up qualifying on the the, the soft tire. Um, but what um, what what I think was unique here is I, I I don't think it's necessarily an issue with the compounds, um, but it is just the, the fresh surface was really playing havoc with it, and it was more about just getting the tire in the window more than than anything else. And it seemed like the super soft was particularly finicky. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Tires, tires, stable. tires. Tell you what, if I move over like five minutes later in the show specifically to talk about these tires and what it means going forward, this decision to help Mercedes, I mean, help with warming the tires up, um, then we'll, we, can we move on from it just now? Uh, Justin, what's going on in the chat room? Particularly busy today. Yeah, not much about uh, tires, but everyone seems to be talking. Yeah, exactly. Everyone seems to be talking about Hartley and what kind of his chances are for the remainder of the season, whether or not he's actually going to stick with this car for the whole uh, 2018 season actually that's an interesting matt uh interesting one matt to touch on there's a there's a lot of people not that impressed with hartley and there's a lot of people lining up replacements already yeah well we've already seen uh, pascal verline's name being mentioned in conjunction with this seat and that was before he spectacularly destroyed his car in p3 making him misqualifying on the other hand he did actually finish the race so there's that at least. But with what happened in Baku and stuff like that, it's tough because apparently he is good at giving the team feedback, but he just seems to be, I mean, I hate to say it uh, because the impression might be wrong because we don't have the whole context, but he does seem to be what a little bit out of his depth, perhaps. It, it, it is sadly starting to look a little bit like that, but wouldn't that be fascinating if Verline came in from basically being a Mercedes guy to then coming into the Red Bull program, which has a really strong history of promoting within from the junior team up to the senior team and suddenly seeing Pascal Verline as a Red Bull driver potentially in two or three years? I, I disagree with the idea that Hartley is underperforming. I mean, for my money, he is... A hugely talented racing driver, and I'm glad to see, 
you know, somebody from WEC moving across into F1. I really, it comes as a shock to me that people are thinking of just like, I'll get him out and change somebody halfway through the season because. Trump, um, Trumpets, like, what we've, what we're seeing here is the sparkles curse, aren't we? So that's it. Yeah. I was going to say, do you want to say it or shall I say it? Go for it, man. Yeah, well, I mean, you think Stroll is better than Hamilton still. So. I really don't. Why are you going to... Chris thinks that Stroll could be a world humor. champion. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Tell you it's what. called humor, my friend. That argument is going to come up later. Now let's move on to the race review. Well, this is the part of the show where I hand over to my esteemed and long-form colleague, Matt Trumpets, to tell us where the race was won and lost. Well, the race was won and lost. I think we have to start by looking at the track. On Friday, we had a green track. On Saturday, we were fairly well rubbered in. And then we had uh, just a huge rain overnight. So the track was green again. And although the forecast was for cooler temperatures, uh, the track temperatures were actually as hot as they were on Friday, even though the ambient temperatures dropped with with the cloud cover. So what that basically meant was Pirelli had thought that a two-stop starting on the supers would be the quickest way to go. But the reality is nobody really knew because no one had run in these conditions. And so it, it was going to be a bit of a guessing game from the off, as it were. And as far as the rest of the race goes, uh, for Ricciardo, Oh, no, go ahead. No, no, I've got a question from the floor. Okay, so when we went into it, I kind of fell into the trap of just assuming everybody was going to one-stop. But as the race evolved, it became clear that, oh, that wasn't as cut and dry as we thought, even after the safety car periods where we thought, oh, well, maybe that then extends the life out. We were still hearing people talking about two-stops. So, I mean, the Red Bulls went for it. We had, I think the red, the Mercedes had it in their pockets that they could have gone to a two-stop if they needed to. And then, I mean, Ferrari ended up going for a two-stop for the virtual safety car. But um, yeah, so it's, it was interesting. Was it that down to the surface? Uh, yeah, very much so. And uh, also Ferrari, uh, much like testing, they just, they were not running well at this track. And they weren't able to manage their tires as effectively as Mercedes or Red Bull. So uh, with Vettel losing time to Hamilton, they they really pitted the pit stop uh, lap that Pirelli gave for the two stop was lap 16. And that's pretty much when he came in. Um, Botas came in around 20 and Hamilton was, what, 23 or somewhere thereabouts. Um, the one stop uh, predicted was around lap 35. So it, it really looked very much like. It was going to be a two-stop for everybody but Red Bull, who I think were just going, well, we'll do opposite here because uh, because we, we started off so far back. It really surprised me that Vettel was saying that, you know, one-stop was not an option for Ferrari uh, because their tire wear was just too much. And it's, it's generally a car that you associate with, you know, being quite good on on tires. So you would have thought on a circuit like this, uh, they'd have, they'd have gone quite well, but it's it's interesting uh, to see that you know Mercedes were struggling with the tires in testing, and Ferrari were the ones struggling with the tires in the actual uh, race. Which again, you know, with the with the thinner tread, supposedly they they shouldn't be wearing it as as much. So yeah, I w- I was very surprised to hear them, you know, almost being forced into a two stop. Yeah, well, the thinner tread was more to deal with the heating characteristics of the tire than it was to deal with tire wear, per se. But it's also important to realize that that um, they brought a fairly large number of updates 
And although they were able to get their one lap pace reasonably close uh, with the changeable conditions in the green track, it just they, they weren't quite as on top of their setup as we've seen them in the previous races. All right, Justin, let's get some views from our chat room. And somebody on Twitter did say, let's just listen to the experts. We don't need to hear the jives from the chat room. And I just want to say, chat room, I love you. I want to hear from you all the time. Justin, what are they up to? Uh, okay, don't well, tell me if they're slagging me off, you know, just brush past it. That's what we do here. Now, chat room's still fighting over who's going to lose their seat. On the podcast or on F1 seats? Both. All right. <laughs> no, but uh, more relevantly, at least everyone's talking about Grosjean right now. And obviously, that's going to be a big discussion here. I don't know if you want to open that can of worms right now. But... We will <laughs> at some point. And anything else? No, that's it for now. Good. Uh, I mean, talking about Mercedes winning in turn one, obviously, race decided in quality, but we can't know that. Let's go to that then, Matt. Right. Well, uh, certainly for Ricardo, the race was uh, decided in quality because he strapped on a pair of sauce for his last run. And he was very, very fast on them. But he fueled, unlike Ferrari, he fueled for two hot labs. And that extra weight of fuel was pretty much, you know, according to the reports I read, what probably cost him starting in front of his teammate. And then we found out in the race very early on, he he radioed in, um, you know, I think I'm faster than Max. And despite what Red Bull said... I'm going to go with, I think they had some team orders going on there. And they said, well, you might be faster, but you're behind him. And that's where you're going to stay. When he was saying I'm faster, I'm like, well, then you should simply attempt to overtake your teammate. What could possibly go wrong? Please, please do go (laughs) ahead and push. I definitely agree with the idea that this race was decided in qualifying because on this track, and especially with the cars we have now, just overtaking is... It's so, so, so difficult and track position is everything. That's why people were pushing for the one stopper, because if you have to stop again, you're just not going to make up those positions um, that you lose. All it would take is one lap behind, you know, somebody who who hadn't stopped and that's it. Your strategy is already out the window. And, you know, I th- those four hundredths of a second between the two Mercedes and qualifying decided who got the clear run down into turn one and could disappear off into the distance and who ended up staring at the back of Sebastian Vettel for half a race. Equally for the Red Bulls, they were just mired behind Kimi Raikkonen for for the first stint. So that's an interesting one then, isn't it, Matt? So Chris is talking about the two-stop really taking away your track position advantage. So Vettel went for it, presumably because he felt either everybody else was going to do it or he couldn't one-stop. But as far as the championship goes, which I still believe is between Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton, this could be very, very costly as well when you look at these moments because they decided to two-stop. Not only did that that give it up to Bottas very, very easily, after holding uh, on the undercut and avoiding being overcut by Bottas, he then gave up that track position and he also lost out to Verstappen. So I don't, oh, I don't know quickly, what's the points difference between um, second and fourth? But that's, that's vital in the championship as well already. Yeah, I mean, Ferrari really had nothing to gain from from pitting again. I know they think that, you know, they wouldn't have been able to make a one-stop where because the tyres would have fallen away. But even if, yeah. you know, they had, you still would have had track position. You would have had to have really, really had your tyres go off a major cliff to have ended up, you know, even even fourth in that race on that same set of tyres. And, you know, the fact that they had the slow stop as well, which then put them behind Verstappen as well. They they just had nothing to gain from yeah, it and um, everything to lose. One of the biggest cool. one of the biggest proofs of that was Ericsson, who admittedly was a pit stop 
down, if you like, being able to hold off Carlos Sainz. I mean, Matt, that was a great indication. If he's able to do that for so long, you would have fancied a Ferrari, even on waning tyres, to be able to hold off Bottas, who we know doesn't always go for that killer move, and certainly the Red Bulls behind, even if Bottas did get past. Well, it depends on exactly how off the tires have gone. Uh, Ferrari seemed very convinced that they weren't going to make it to the end, and they would have calculated how much time they'd lose on the tires versus how much time they lose on a virtual safety car pit stop and decided that losing 10 seconds on a pit stop was a better choice than potentially losing 30 seconds in the last three laps of the race as everybody drives past them. But more to the point, You have to ask yourself, and this is interesting and where everybody got caught out. The problem they had was that nobody had any fresh sets of soft tires left because everyone had brought the super soft tires. And it was on Friday we discovered that was a very, very poor choice. Nobody went particularly well on them. And Williams, I know, sadly, only had a single set of softs and all the rest were super. So that played some small part in their utter debacle of an appearance today. It definitely didn't help, did it? When you heard, if you're going to hear that one team had completely misstepped on the tyre choice and had been mugged, Williams are the team that did not need it. And they suddenly looked like they were the worst team in F1, didn't they? And you think, oh, how can they be, how can they be that far down? Sorry, looks like they are the worst team in Formula One and have been since the start of this season, in my opinion. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes when you're in a dead end, you have to go backwards before you can go forwards again. I'd say that's pretty much the best possible spin I could put on where they are right now. Uh, but I don't know. This race was was interesting for a lot of different reasons. I've got but- a good tactical thing that happened that I've been calling for for ages and ages and ages, i.e. most of this season, it is that Mercedes have changed their tactic. I think if this was Australia... And the pace advantage they had was the same. And it's probably, even if it's not the same, it's not dissimilar. In Australia, Lewis Hamilton was the fastest car driver package. Here, Lewis Hamilton was the fastest car driver package. Instead of managing that gap just to avoid the undercut, which I felt like they'd been doing in Australia, and I feel like is Mercedes MO, here they decided to just go, right, let's stretch out as big a lead as possible. And after 17 laps, Lewis Hamilton was eight seconds down the road. Now, Mercedes have not done that in the past, Matt. Have they learned their lesson from Australia? Well, you could say that, or you could say that Ferrari were just that much more off the pace. But yeah, they have learned their lesson because they identified the problem and they fixed it. And that was the algorithm for time loss under a virtual safety car. So they would have been looking for a more appropriate gap, given that the pit delta under the virtual safety car would have been fairly identical to australia so that five six second gap is much more along the lines of what they would have wanted chris stevens mercedes have not had it their own way for the start of the season what does this race say about the running order of those top three teams now i i don't think it says all that much to be honest because again you know we're, we're looking at this um race by race you know mercedes have struggled to get the tires you know, working properly. And that's where Ferrari have had the edge um, so far Um, in, in Baku, it was maybe a little bit better, but they were still not quite there here. They've been able to hit the sweet spot and we've been able to see that their full potential, you know, it's probably similar to a scenario that we've seen last year where 
the Mercedes was ultimately the quicker car, but tough to handle and wasn't consistent enough. And I think we're seeing that sort of situation. In fact, Lewis has said it's actually a more extreme that scenario than it was last year. So it's going to vary race by race. In Monaco, it could be a completely different story. Monaco will definitely be a different story because it's a different track. And and what we're seeing is in testing Mercedes was strongest. We've come back to the track where they tested and to the surprise of no one, they were strongest. What's different about um, today's race is it's the first time that Hamilton looks like he's really happy with the car. And that had not been the case um, since, I guess, probably his qualifying lap in Australia. It's it's very much a Mercedes track, this, isn't it? You know, a lot of high-speed corners, uh, you know, where we saw them going really strong last year. Silverstone as well was another really great track for them. And I feel like it's retained that characteristic. Yep, Sandra Reynolds in the chat was talking about when Bono came on the radio and told Lewis to turn his engine down, and he said, yeah, I did it four laps ago. <laughs> quality yeah and it was a very different lewis hamilton from start to finish it wasn't it sparkles like friday he was upbeat he was bouncing i think we could sense from the friday and and from lewis's mood and it has seemed to be a pretty good barometer of how he's gonna do like he he may as well just come out and say i think the car's gonna suck this weekend car's gonna be great this weekend but we get such a good read from just how he expresses himself yeah, definitely. And he, he definitely seemed happy after um, Friday and over one lap, the car definitely looked quick, which basically, you know, is, is all you want around Spain. You want the track position. So they're very much focused on the one lap pace. So I think that's, you know, why he was quite, quite happy about it. I think if they'd have shown him the long run data, he, he might have had a few more frowns, but. <laughs> we'll definitely get onto that because what I want to find out from you guys later on is how much you can tell from Friday practice. And I think we've got a really good barometer here of expert pe- people who are journalists and people who blog about it. And Joe blogs here who sits and just watches Friday practice or listens to, you know, the BBC commentary. But first of all, Matt, I think it's time to assign blame. What do you think? Sounds good to me. Whose fault is it? Now, in my marriage, if anything goes wrong, we can't just walk past it. We've got to assign blame. And I always quote the water-wife paradox. Like If I have a glass of water in front of me on the floor because I'm watching TV and she knocks it over, she says, you idiot, why would you leave a glass of water there? Now, if she leaves a glass of water there while she's watching TV and I knock it over, she says, you idiot, why can't you look where you're going? So in that same spirit... We need to assign blame. Now, there was only really one major incident today, and that was Roman Grosjean on turn three at the start. He lost it behind Magnussen. And why don't we go over to a real racing driver, our race analyst, Bradley Philpott, and get his view on the events to start us off. So on the Grosjean incident at the start of the race, it looked to me like everything was pretty much fine until Magnussen had a small moment. Grosjean reacted in the heat of the moment to it, and it all, before he knew it, he'd spun around. But in terms of his throttle application, which eventually caused the big accident, there was a point mid-spin where it really looked to me like he should be off the throttle, braking, just trying to bring the car to a controlled stop facing 180 degrees the wrong direction. Um, And it was a little bit silly to keep his foot absolutely pinned because he was always going to continue to spin in a pendulum-like fashion around into the whole field um, and kind of expose a a very big area 
to the rest of the field, you know, be broadside across the track. So in my opinion, it really looked like he should have had a half spin or, you know, a spin 180 degrees and then break and hope for the best from there. He would have been a much smaller target. All right. So that's Bradley Philpott's viewpoint. And let's not forget, this is a guy who instructs people on how to drive a race car, certainly has done for a big period of his career. Now then, I want the chat room's opinion on this as well, uh, uh, Justin, so get ready to give me that. I'm going to make my premise and my claim here, and uh, I'll let the boys argue with me. I think Roman Grosjean did something today that was worse than Spa 2013, where he got a race ban. I would say the correct thing to do for that behaviour is to issue a race ban again. He lost his control of his car, And then in a kind of bit of a a fit of temper or annoyance or frustration, left his foot in, spun the wheels up, desperately left his foot on the throttle whilst his car was pointing into the pack of cars coming through on turn one. He was 90 degrees to the track and he floored it. The accelerator makes the car go forward. The only thing in front of him was the track and the cars rushing across. And he made a decision to leave his foot in, not only create a cloud of smoke that stopped anyone seeing him, but then made himself a moving chicane, moving all the way from the left-hand side of the track to the right-hand side of the track. This is worse than what he did in Spa. Sparkles. I mean, to be fair, what happened in Spa 2012 started out as a very minor 2012, incident. 2012, was it? Ah, done. Yeah. Um, the chat room's already called you off on it, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean... It was definitely silly what he did. Race band worthy? No, I, I think that's a bit extreme. What I think what he was wait, trying wait, to wait, do. Wait, wait, hang on, hang on. Now, how, why, how was it extreme? What he did was blindingly dangerous. No, because what he okay, what he was trying to do was uh, do a full three sixty and come back around and point the same way, which. Frankly, you can't really do when you're in the middle of the pack like that. You can do that on your own in a practice session or a qualifying, but not at the start of the race. The thing about him being a you know a mobile chicane is he would have been a mobile chicane whether he continued to spin or stopped right there. So oh, I don't agree with that. There is if if, he'd know, have, if he'd have taken his feet off the he, pedals, he would have he would have continued his trajectory to the left of the track. I mean, he probably would ended up stopping on the track. I, I think, but like it would have. I, I race one race ban. I think is a bit extreme, but yeah, definitely what he did. You know, keeping his foot in was unnecessary. Okay. You probably want to hear from somebody who's had some actual thoughts about this at this point. Um, no, I want just the wild reactionary stuff like I did. Come on. First of all, incident was caused by Magnuson. Period. End of story. Magnuson came over and Grosjean lifted off the throttle and developed um, li- developed oversteer from lifting off of the throttle. Uh, this is according to Grosjean. And once that happened, uh, it, it all got kind of interesting. He got back on the throttle to try and regain control of the car. And instead of getting control of the car, it brought it, it brought it the rest of the way around. Now, here's where I have a genuine question. And I'm probably the only person who remembers this. But do you know the emergency kill switch for the engine? Full throttle, full brakes. And you think he had his brakes on? He clearly didn't have his brakes on. I have no idea what he was going for at that point but i'm not ready to assign its sheer frustration or any other particular thing as to why he was still spinning up the tires as he went across the track i I would be curious for someone to ask him that so you think there's a possibility that he was turning and he wasn't thinking i need to get back in the race he was thinking my priority here is to kill the engine and the procedure for doing that 
is to apply maximum pressure to both the brakes and the accelerator. I, I don't think he was thinking about bringing that vehicle to a calm, controlled engine stop halt. Um, I have another beef with what you've said there. You said Magnuson caused the incident. Now, I would say there are two distinct incidents here. So there is the one that caused Roman Grosjean to uh, have to yield and spin. And that was caused by Magnussen. Correct. But I think him going across the track was a distinct, separate, second incident. Mm. Because it was sure because it was entirely if it happened, we'd have never seen the second. Well, that's true. So they were related, but he didn't have to go across the track. There is there is no way you could tell me that from the first incident with Magnussen, he had to then end up on the right hand side of the track. Sorry, repeat that. <laughs> so what Magnussen did didn't cause Grosjean to end up on the right hand side of the track. What Magnussen did caused Grosjean to half spin. Yeah, it caused him to spin. But had Magnuson not done that, he would not have spun. So there would have been no, you know, it's like sort of the one thing, the other. Fair enough. Yeah, but okay. that, Grosjean, Grosjean wouldn't have been in that position at all if Sainz and Alonso hadn't tangled at turn <laughs> two. So there's only like there's only, only so far you can go back. <laughs> Tell you what, let's hear from the chat room. Actually, first of all, Justin, who do you agree with out of the panel? Who do you think is right and wrong? I think three, what is it, three places for the next race is his penalty. I think that that's is. appropriate, but honestly, I don't know that much about the 2012 stuff. I've only been watching it for the last couple of years. Um, generally, the chat room agrees with you. Chris Fonseca in the chat, though, suggests that Grosan's punishment should be to drive the Williams for the next race. <laughs> oh, no. Ah. No, I can't comment that's whether that's funny or not, but it is. Go on, carry on, carry on. Um, yeah, no, generally, it's 25-75 split on... Uh, should it have been a race fan? Everyone seems to think that it probably should have been a fan. Fair enough. Uh, let me just ask you then, Justin, while you're here, um, what made you come over to Formula One? You sound like one of those Americans because you sound like you're off the telly. Were you a NASCAR IndyCar guy before that? No, actually, Formula E got me into it, which is kind of weird. Um, so I was always moderately interested in open wheel racing. Um, so I watched a couple Formula E races, and then as I started to do my research, I was like, all right, this is a little bit of the baby version of what seems to be F1. Um, so then I decided to go up a little bit. Um, so I've been watching. I got my Mercedes hat right here, but we'll keep it off camera. No, um, no, it's good. Bias is allowed here. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. I cannot, I cannot believe you watched Formula E before Formula 1. I have been looking for you for ages. You are, you're a star to me. Yeah, they got me in at Thanksgiving like two years ago. They had that great race. I don't remember specifically where it was. Um, but Buenos then Aires? Was, uh, what, is that what it is? I'm not sure. I, I, if it's the one that everyone else thinks of when we think of a great Formula E race, is it the one with Bohemian and Bird? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And so that was it. Once that was done, once I was in, I found Miss Apex and a couple other podcasts and just kind of started doing my homework. Wait, wait, what? Other podcasts? Let's skip past that very, very quickly. Chris, do you have anything else on Grosjean's comeback with? Um, no, I, w- I was just going to say what he did in 2012 was obviously, you know, a, it was a multitude of incidents across the season, wasn't it? Which is, you know, that's the old Grosjean that we don't really see anymore. And, you know, yeah, what he's done the last couple of races has been a bit um, silly, a bit careless. Not what you'd expect, but I think he's coming under a lot of pressure at the moment. Has he got a baby? I reckon that's what does it. Yeah, probably. He's yeah. got three. Oh my god, Green. Roman! I think he has two kids at least. Yeah, Roman, get a Netflix account. Leave her alone, for goodness' sake! Stop before you uh, before you have any more. Uh, no, I mean it's a serious issue, though, Matt. Can you imagine having a job like that after you had your kids and the kind of pressure you go up go through when the kids are very very young? It doesn't seem like that would massively help you as an F one driver. Well, 
it wouldn't. And it's often been pointed to to be uh, a, a turning point in many people's careers having kids. But what I will say is they certainly live in a different socioeconomic bubble to you or I. And that allows them to uh, have a much less stressful experience of having children. Well, so, that's true, yeah. you know, I mean, I know we remember when Vettel had his kid, people said the same thing and eh, I don't know. It's just different when, when you're playing, uh, when you're playing ball in that particular sandbox, I suppose. Okay. I'm going to let these guys talk about tires for a little bit. I do apologize. Skip forward about five minutes. If you don't, I think I probably will as well. get there this is your music matt i rediscovered this bumper i forget that it's actually you in the background when we play this which is really great so let's find out what are you up to my friend we haven't let you kind of push your pimp things for a long time uh yeah well you know it, it's it's interesting it turns out oops, i'm sorry about that it turns out that i do indeed have talents beyond just annoying you and uh, what I'm up to right now, uh, mostly is, it's actually been a little bit uh, busy here getting to the end of the teaching year and a uh, reasonable amount of playing. But really what I'm looking at is is getting ready to record the album probably in the late summer, early fall, which will indeed be coming out. Um, and we'll be sure and tell you about that repeated times. And I'm also spending a pretty reasonable amount of time, um, not, not that I want to knock wood not that not that i want the commentators curse but we may be close to some new books coming out for the wife as well so cross your fingers no contracts are signed yet but it's it's looking like it's gonna happen soon and i'll be sure and let you know about that but i've also been doing some work there definitely and, and you know and then really uh the kid's going to high school so it's been uh, she's got a big exam coming up all right, it's not Dad Hub. It's not Dad no, Hub, it's, Matt. It's like that kind of stuff. Let's get relevant to Miss Apex, though. The UK listeners are actually going to have a chance to meet you. You have booked a plane ticket to the United Kingdom to come and see me. I mean, us. Oh, yeah, that. Yes, I have done that thing. That thing will be happening. Yeah, get yeah, in. I'm coming over for the, um, what is it? Oh, yes, the, uh, the, the, the live recording and karting event. That's I right. Think. We're going to be karting at Buckmore Park, the home of British karting, on the 4th of August. The people who are turning up for the karting are, uh, are going to be there for about half past one. But we have decided, we have a facility there. We are going to do a live podcast recording in the morning about from about 11 o'clock. We're going to record an episode live from Buckmore Park. So if you want to pop in, and come and see us. Email me spannersready at gmail.com. I'll give you all the details. Uh, then you can hang around for the event if you like. There's going to be about three hours of karting throughout the afternoon. And then at about 6 p.m., we are all going to uh, drink beer and whiskey that's old enough to order its own whiskey. How does that sound, Trumpets? I think I think I will be okay with this. Can I just say how unbelievably excited I am for this entire day event slash monster weekend i'm so so excited about doing the the live show you know not just another karting thing because it's so great when we get everyone in the same space and we do something awesome like this but the fact that we're doing a live uh recording as well you know it's something a bit different for us and like i think the the live audience aspect is going to be really cool as well i'm properly properly jazzed for it good 
Good. Spannersready at gmail.com. Let me know if you're interested in coming along. Um, it's a reasonably small room, but we could probably get 30, 40, 50 people in there. Uh, and then at half past one, all the karting people will come in and we'll do our team event and get going. Um, that is full, the karting at the moment, but it is worth getting on the reserve list because I've had to set aside some places for some media types who may or may, or may not take them on. Um, so spannersready at gmail.com. Right. Matt, here's an argument we've been having about Friday practice. So, people like you and Chris sit there and analyse all the details from Friday. Now, first of all, let's set the scene. Let's set the scene of what happens through those practice sessions. Because you guys who watch it all thought that Red Bull were going to be very good in the race. Me, from a little bit more of an ignorant, just fanboy, just switching on the telly, listening to um, Five Live practice commentary, I thought Mercedes were going to walk away with this this weekend. I was so confident. And although I turned out to be right, my confidence may have been from an ignorant place. I'm, I'm quite willing to accept if I was right for the wrong reasons. But let's just start with confirming what happens on a Friday, for example. They, they tend to go that Friday is for uh, rubbishy drivers, I mean, reserve drivers. Um, then FP2 tends to be longer runs. And then FP3 is qualifying runs. Have I kind of got the basis of what most teams do over practice? Yeah, so your first session will generally be about finding the balance of um, the car and judging, you know, how the how the track is. And then FP2, you get in more into the nitty gritty. So you start off with a qualifying sim and then you focus on your... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Long runs, and then you might do another long run in FP3, but generally FP3 is all about uh, qualifying. So for the people who just tune in and look at the headlines where it says, Hamilton tops FP2, trumpets it, it might not really mean anything because 
they've all just kind of put a, a fairly loose quality time down at the beginning of the session. And then the rest of the time has been long runs. So the lap times wouldn't show up in the headlines. Yeah. And, and that's really, um, when I came to it, there was a mathematician who would regularly take, uh, long runs from FP2 and, and do a little bit of mathematical magic on them. And he would predict race, um, performance on Sundays. And he, he was pretty accurate and it was interesting enough to the point where I gave it a go as well. I didn't bother with the fancy maths, but what I discovered is if you look through the long runs and you know, the tires of the teams, you can get a fairly good idea of how they're doing. And I happen to have paid uh, close attention to this particular free practice. And what I noticed immediately uh, was that on the super soft tires, Mercedes were not that quick. Red Bull were. But on the soft tires, Mercedes was pretty quick. So it was always going to come down to what they ran in qualifying, particularly in Q2. And I believe I may have even said as much in the little uh, video thing that I did for the um, patrons. Patrons only support us at patreon.com forward slash missed apex. Not only will you get all our post-show waffle, you'll also get the vlogs that we are starting to do. And the first of which was available after the practices. So you can get Matt's opinion on what he thinks is going down in the practice. And if I'd have listened to that instead of just posting it, I might have thought that Red Bull were doing well as well. See, I think um, what what you said there about uh, them not going well on the super soft Mercedes, you know, it was it was deciding to just do the whole race on the soft tire that that really um, helped them. You know, it was the fact that you could get away with a soft tire for for so long. The fact that sometimes the soft tire was just as, if not quicker, than the super soft in this. A, quite a unique scenario you can't be quite unique but carry on oh my god are you gonna pull me up on this again well i shouldn't have had to do it twice it's a tautology you're either unique or you're not it's a redundant phrase to then Fine. give quite scales a rare of uniqueness. scenario quite rare is acceptable rare yeah go on carry Very on rare scenario. can i just ever since the last time since the last time you pulled me up i have been thinking about it like a lot but then it's just rolled off the tongue really easily there um yeah it's it's a rare unique scenario so I think that's what what's really helped Mercedes um, this weekend. Had the super soft tire been, you know, a little bit um, a more of a feasible race tire, then yeah, it would have played into to Red Bull's hands a little bit. I think there was a quite a big temperature difference between what we saw on Friday and what we saw at the beginning of the race um, as well, and that may have shifted the balance um, a little bit. Matt, uh, track was thirty six C at the start of the race, which is just actually slightly more than it was on. Um, on Friday practice. Uh, well, but you're the, also right. When did you check it though? Because when I checked it, it was on the app significantly cooler than what it was on Friday. Start of the race, the app, not the ambient temperature, the app, uh, the, the track temperature. Yeah, I was checking the track temperature as well on the uh, website. Not as interesting a conversation as you guys might be imagining. Now then, uh, why why did I get it wrong then, Matt? What what should I do to avoid kind of just falling into the traps of looking at the times and saying, uh, yeah, Mercedes looked really strong? The other thing was I would not have suspected Red Bull of suddenly from third and quite some way third trumpets, uh, then going suddenly to being the fastest team in race trim. Uh, yeah, but if you look at the times that Ricardo was running after he spun behind the virtual safety car, he was the fastest car on track. They were fast in race trim and they were fast on the soft tire. Their downfall was the inability with the Renault power unit 
to get ahead of Ferrari in qualifying. That utterly ruined their race. That, and of course, uh, Verstappen hitting Stroll on the restart did him no favors either. Well, now hang on a minute. That was the only person Verstappen hit, and he only hit him a little bit. So credit where credit's due. Fair enough. <laughs> so, so, so hang on. No one okay. went out of the race this time, so we could call that progress. So do you think, we love you, hello to our Dutch audience, uh, it's quite, which is quite significant. We love you, thank you, please support us. Um, do you think then, had Max Verstappen happened to have come out of turn three behind Lewis Hamilton, he would have kept pace? You do? You think that? Okay, that's fine. All right then, look, let's move on a little bit to, oh no, Chris is getting my attention. Go on, Chris. I was going to say, if you want to, you know, follow the practice action a little bit more closely, you can always read my race reports. Um, but the, well, no, well, the, well, tell you what, Chris, <laughs> if they're on a site that is willing to do reciprocal uh, uh, publication and promotion, then yeah, sure, mention it. Go ahead. Cool. Um, no, the thing about um, the thing about the race pace thing is that it's not often kind of really talked about. You kind of have to look at a few journalists on Twitter who might tweet out some numbers about it, but it never really gets great. Um, coverage a because it, it kind of takes time to to work it out and it's not like formula one are gonna tweet a video about what the average stint length and time was for the top six drivers okay uh any last comments from the chat room there about uh about <laughs> maybe about maybe about verstappen or anything else before we move on to f1 tv nope it's pretty much still just talking about grosjean <laughs> <laughs> Good. I like that. It's a, a record chat room today. So many, many welcomes to you guys. Um, you are all joining us on YouTube by searching Missed Apex Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and click the little bell and then you'll get a notification every time we go live because I am bad at publicizing when we go on. However, if you look for Sunday, UK time, 8pm, and it's not a bank holiday Sunday, I'm usually here in my shed with my little lamp on talking to you. Matt, Let's talk about F1 TV. Welcome to the world of tomorrow, where broadcasters have released their iron grip on sports entertainment, where the internet can now do a la carte, where you want sport, what you want, on whatever device you want, when you want it, this is the start of a new age, Trumpets. Presumably, F1 TV was a stonking success. It went exact, and I have to say, F1 TV utterly and completely met my expectations with their rollout, which was basically that it wasn't going to work at all. Oh, dear. <laughs> I, I was under no illusions that this would be uh, the least bit usable on this weekend. Uh, based on the fact that it wasn't ready to go at the start of the season, even though they talked about it a lot. And the problems that I experienced with it uh, were experienced by, well, I don't know, shall we say just extremely large numbers of subscribers to the point where I have now gotten an email and basically been told, I'm going to get my money back for this weekend because I did actually pay for the service. However, the idea of the thing is brilliant. And when it worked, it made me so very, very, very happy. First of all, you have an archive of historical races, including the 99 European Grand Prix, which you can finally go watch if you couldn't find it any other place. So go do that and then listen to any and me. By going to mistapexpodcast.com. Yes, thank you very much. And on top of it, um, even just being able to, and FB2, look at the onboard cameras 
what you were also getting was the complete team radio with the driver. So, for example, when Hamilton was on the super soft tires and he asked about others, Bottas and Verstappen in particular running, uh, his engineer said, yes, but we're having to do a lot of management on that tire compared to them. And so immediately you get that, yeah, you're going to be able to get some really interesting and keen insights by jumping around between the different teams and listening to what is being said between driver and engineer. And it's completely unedited. It's yeah, full, and that's how yeah. I found out that Mercedes weren't rejecting the three-stop option completely. Sorry, two-stop option completely, because Lewis Hamilton came out on his tires and said, hey, man, am I am I managing these tires till the end of the race? And they were like, no, just push, just do what you want. And I would not have got that without the app. I would have assumed it was a guaranteed one-stop. But from listening to that, I'm like, oh, there is a consideration for a three, uh, for a two stop, uh, sorry, three stints. Uh, you know, they can, they've got that in their back pocket. So the app was good. They are doing good things. We shouldn't panic that the TV service didn't work on this occasion. However, it's quite embarrassing that it didn't work on this occasion. It basically amounted to a paid open beta, which a huge firm like Liberty should be a little bit beyond. Yeah, and, and you, you really have to look at the people they hired to do that job for them. I mean, I think you could ding them for maybe not due diligence. But they weren't the ones, they were not directly responsible in that sense for implementing the engineering. And it, it's not just a question of we showed up and it didn't work. Um, through a little bit of investigation, the stream itself was not encrypted. If you knew where to look, you could simply grab the address and stick it in a video player if you knew how to do that and watch it without paying any money for anything. And there were various other, um, well, I saw it described by people who seem to know what they're talking about as amateur hour mistakes, because I think the people that they hired to do it, which I believe was Tata, their sponsor, um, it's a newer skill for them. There are other more established firms out there that probably would have done a better job but they're not sponsors of Formula One. So, you know, there would be some interesting questions to ask about that. Now, also, um, a friend of mine called Hammers Breddy uh, attempted to watch the stream from the UK. And I know they were very adamant that you would not be able to watch it if you were in a geo-locked region. So, round one to you, FIA. Uh, My friend was unable to, even with a US payment method, unable to watch f1 tv from the united kingdom however i'm sure there are more white hats out there who are looking for the good of formula one of course for the good of the sport trying to test out if they can if if that is possible going forward because i know there's a lot of people in the uk who would rather not give their money to sky they'd rather give it directly to the content creators and the broadcasters are middlemen that people are increasingly fed up with they would rather have if at all possible content creators delivering their product directly to the consumer. I would agree with that. And that's actually part of the fun disruption that we ourselves are part of because we are content creators delivering directly to our audience. Yeah, there we go. All right, cool. Any other business? Let's talk about Williams. Williams, Chris. Let's see. Williams had a dog of a race. Are you okay, Matt? Are you all right? No, we're just talking about Williams. 
<laughs> All right, is that, oh, that's why you had your head in your hands. Oh, it's very apt then. The video viewers will get a lot more of that in context then. Um, but not only did they have a dog of a car, they, they only brought one set of super softs. So Rockin was three laps down by the middle of the race. They look utterly lost in development. They look completely lost in the race. They look lost when they're uh, delivering media on what is going on with the team. And then they have Robert Kubica, turning up for free practice one, Chris, and looking really, really strong. Williams fans, me included, were looking at FP1 and just going, oh, oh, why? Why? I think, okay, Williams are having this exactly the season we expected them to with a, a, a car that, you know, as much as they say is very different to Lost's car, isn't anything to be shouting about really at all with two very mediocre drivers at the helm of it as well, and one driver with what we know is quite a bit of talent, but whether he's actually ready for a full-time return yet, being questionable, actually being the one to you know see what, what goes well and what doesn't go well. It's bad. Uh, but- for my mind, there's no way... In my opinion, I don't think there's any way that Robert Kubica is there going out at the pace of Lewis Hamilton, for example. But what no. he's clearly clearly shown, Matt, is that he is a real Formula One driver and the two guys in the Williams seats aren't. If somebody can just pop in and, and do that much better than your number one driver in a scenario where Williams would have gone out of their way to not embarrass Lance Stroll because he is paying them tens of millions of dollars even under those circumstances, with all the favouring in the world, Kubica looked the absolute measure. He was, what, what did you say? Beating his ass like a gong through FP1? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Sorry, that was a private conversation, but it's just so apt. Like Everything will have had to have been in Stroll's favour. There, there's no way they would have deliberately embarrassed Lance like that. Yeah, uh, and 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 I think uh, Sparkles was absolutely apt to point out that the reason it was so embarrassing is because Stroll himself never set a representative time because he just went straight out and drove into a gravel trap. <laughs> well, that doesn't help, but uh, yeah. But that said, I'm going to ask you a question: Do you think Kubica would have finished higher than 11th in this race? Now then, no, that's that's an absolute fair question, and I, the answer is I don't know. However. There have been races this season where Williams, you feel, would be able to have scored points had they had a driver that was a second a lap quicker, which I think is possible. I think that Lance Stroll is over a second a lap uh, shy of what a proper Formula One driver should be. So Williams would have be higher in the points table this season if they had Robert Kubica. Yes. I, th- I think Williams are in a point where they're in, they've, they've just got this rock hard ceiling ahead of them that they can't you know, breakthrough and swapping one driver out for, for another, I don't think it's going to be the thing that, that, that pushes them through, you know, it's, well, so, it's not like so they can't make up. Like, they couldn't make up one extra championship place, which is worth millions of pounds. No, no. Cause that car is just nowhere near. No, but your objective, <laughs> you're, 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 you're wrong. You're wrong. They would have more points now if they had better drivers and therefore would be higher in the championship table. Matt? Right. Okay. So here's the interesting arbitrage. There is no way, and don't get me wrong, I am like beyond on the Kubota hype train. There is no <laughs> way he is going to drive that car so well, he will make up in prize money the difference between what he brings to the team and what uh, Stroll brings to the team in terms of cash. Yeah, that's now that's fair. Yeah. End okay. of story. But there's a secondary consideration. Starts with the letter S. 
and that's sponsorship. With miserable results, it's much harder to attract sponsors to the car. And with a story like Kubitz's, you can also start going third directions. We saw a very nice production on Amazon about McLaren, which have been, you know, basically it was a chronicle of a disaster, but I'm presuming they made some money off putting it on Amazon. Someone like Kubica coming back could also be the kind of story Mm -hmm. that brings people to the team in a different way. And the, Really, you know, I think it was unfair of you to say they're not form- they're not Formula One drivers. Lance Stroll is not f- shouldn't be a Stroll Formula One driver. Always done better in the race than in qualifying. Where Kubica would absolutely do better, I believe, is in qualifying. Yeah. But where he has them both outrated is he has the experience and the language to tell the team what's wrong with the car in a way that gives them the chance to fix it. And that's what Williams has been missing. Before absolutely. before we go to the chat room, let me make something clear. I also don't think Williams should have gone with Robert Kubica. What I'm saying is Robert Kubica's performance probably just shows up what they're having to deal with with their drivers at the moment. And the fact that the upgrades went to the reserve driver and not the number one driver shows how lost they are. Um, Go on, Matt. Well, I mean, of course, the two names you want to say are Verlaine and Kvyat at this point. Because either one seems like they would have been a better shout for those seats. Justin. All right, chat room wants to know, if Sorotkin had actually been an FP1, would he have only been lapped twice? <laughs> That's pretty good. Anything else, mate? Um, basically, what Matt was talking about, if you're Patty Lowe, you've got to be kind of worried about getting another title sponsor when Martini leaves. That was a big conversation here. It, it's a re- Matt's made some really, really good points. As usual, Matt is always fantastic on the money side of it, and I would love to see the maths on that. But let's um, since we've got two Americans on the panel today yeehaw let's talk about Haas because dude Magnussen is not making any friends at all trumpets how crazy uh, and kind of it's a real look into Magnussen's brain the fact that he blocked Leclerc Leclerc on the home straight uh, in practice I think it was just after a yellow flag wasn't it yeah and and this is where context is is utterly clean utterly clean this is where context is utterly king And in fact, what really happened, and I'm going to steal Sparkle's thunder here, what really happened was (laughs) he came around onto the street, he was caught with a yellow flag, and he assumed that Leclerc behind him was caught in the same, was caught by the same flag and had abandoned the effort. But the fact of the matter is the sector had gone green when Leclerc got there. Hence the confusion insofar as him just squatting on the racing line. What's a little less clear is the subsequent move to uh, keep him from going by as as they headed into turn one. And that was, I think, the source of the reprimand from the stewards, not the fact that he was just squatting on the racing line itself. Either Spanners, only you would be able to look at what Huss have been able to do today and then just think, well, what about this negative thing that happened on Friday? Like... I Can love we, I love Magnussen. I love Magnussen as a driver. I am definitely I'm a Magnussen fan, uh, and I know they've done amazing things. But that was the headline story. Can we? Can we just? No, it wasn't. The headline story is the fact that Magnussen came sixth today, and was what thirty seconds ahead of Renault, McLaren, and what is an incredible midfield battle. He was comfortably in seventh place in qualifying, which is. The way he put it, pole position for Haas, 
which is a great way of putting it, given the performance gap between the top three teams and the rest of the field. So I, I've got nothing. I'm showering praise for that team at the Good. moment. No, you're right. To, you're right to bring me up on that. Trumpets, this has got to be what all Americans have been waiting for. It is that. And um, uh, is it uh, who is their junior driver? Is it Ferrucci? Camara. Ferrucci. Ferrucci. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that would be that would be the other. No. Uh, Haas showed up this weekend. They tested well. Everyone said they were the class of the midfield and they were they were running lap times that no one else in the midfield was touching uh, on, on the same tires. And uh, had Grosjean not had his little um, incident, (laughs) uh, they would have have taken 6th and 7th. And to me, the real test of Haas is going to be when they they start nailing down those 7th and 8th or 6th and 7th or 7th and 9th. And that has been a challenge for them all along. Operationally, there's always something goes wrong. I mean, they certainly had it in the bag in Australia, and then it all went sideways on them. And and it's those teething problems that that remain their biggest challenge. That and Grosjean being, I guess, what uh, finding the maturity to drive through the problems without making mistakes as he has done, and the confidence they had in qualifying as well to go into Q two and go on a set of soft tires to to think we have the pace to get into the top ten on a soft tire. That is a is a team that is running so well. Yeah, and when when he was asked about, well, you've got Alonso alongside you, he was like, well, I, I don't care because they had to qualify on the super soft. So if I get stuck behind him, I'll just wait for him to pit. And that is the kind of confidence Magnussen is bringing into. So don't get me wrong, I am a Magnussen fan, not so much a Grosjean fan at the moment. Uh, but I I wish Haas well because Matt, I I'm not. Like Matthew Carter, who the ex-Lotus team boss who comes on here and talks about it, who, who thinks that's against the spirit of F1. I would quite like to see a model that is affordable so that teams can come in and do a Haas and be like a second team and get a lot of parts in. And I would want to see then 30 cars on the grid. That's what I would like. Consider that with all the advantages for us, India, with all the teams we've seen, that Haas has gotten closer to the top three teams with their model than anyone we have ever seen. And what I will say is it's kind of like Red Bull, who only think it's cheating if you get caught. They walked in the door, said, <laughs> what are the rules? And we will, we, will, we will find every last millimeter of advantage we can and take it. Yeah, the chat room's agreeing with the, uh, you, Matt, been kind of apologizing to Spanners, but talking about Haas compared to Force India, even they're behind the Renaults and the McLarens now. It's just kind of a disaster comparatively. Oh, it's apologies to me because I've got a bet with Anil about Force India doing well. And yeah, and Force India, that model is basically what has got them to be best of the rest for many seasons now. But Haas have come in with a different model. It's completely legal. There's nothing wrong with it. I, for one, enjoy the spirit of it. Uh, Are you a Haas fan, Justin, from Washington, Washington? Yeah, um, I didn't love them that much up until this season. But, I mean, as much as I don't love the way K-Mag behaves sometimes, he does get in there and he does kind of change up the field. Um, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm midway. Um, I like them because they're an American team. But, I mean, it's hard with Grosjean on that team to really be a big fan. Yep. Yep. It's uh, hard to not disagree with you there. Okay, so we're going to run out of time here. We need to go to the podium. Matt will kill me if I don't talk about Leclerc. So just spit it out quick. 
Go ahead, Sparkles. Well, you said Matt. But he meant you. Oh, okay, fine. Right. Yes, I absolutely have to praise Charles Leclerc because, I mean, yes, he was put in a, into a situation by circumstance. You know, the, the big crash at the start, he navigated his way through it. He got into a good position. The Raikkonen retirement as well played into his hands. But boy, oh boy, did he grab it with with two hands and, and he didn't let go of it. The way he repelled Alonso for so long as well. You know, it, it, it didn't look like, you know, you were looking at a rookie driver. He was so calm and collected. And even when Alonso was coming by, he fought it until the very last second before he bailed out of it. You know, I just think that was such a strong and compelling uh, drive from him today. And I, I, I really look forward to seeing how he got now that he's kind of unlocked his F1 style uh, because he was trying to use his F2 GP3 style in the first couple of races and it w- wasn't working out. Now that he's unlocked what he's doing, I'd be very keen to see how he goes on a new circuit for him uh, and, and see if it's if it's more that style or the experience of other circuits that he's been relying on these last couple of races. Uh, he's got a tough teammate to battle, though, Chris. Somehow he's making himself look good, even with the mighty Marcus Ericsson behind him. Yeah, but th- let's let's give credit to you know uh, to both of them as well. The car no. isn't excellent. No, is la la la, not listening. Well, let's go to the podium. It's easy to forget with all the talk of Red Bull Williams free practice, hearts, that this was a lights-to-flag victory by a dominant Lewis Hamilton in dominant form in a Mercedes that looks absolutely incredible. Now, it is my assertion, and people on this podcast argue with me all the time, that Mercedes turned up for 2018 with the fastest package. They turned up for 2018 with the fastest car and the best number two out of them and Ferrari. They have struggled to unlock that potential. But I am left in no doubt by the car that disappeared 27 seconds up the road from four-time world champion in a Ferrari, Sebastian Vettel, that now the fastest driver-car combination in the Formula 1 championship is Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. Can they keep unlocking it race after race? You say it's the fastest you know, driver-car combination. It is this week, in, in two weeks. It may well be the Red Bull. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think think, think it is dependent on whether Mercedes unlock their pace. If Mercedes unlock their pace, they are the fastest car and there is nothing the other teams on the grid can do about it. If they turn up to a track and they can't turn on the tyres, then we'll talk about who else has got the pace. But it's also track dependent as well. Remember how weak the Mercedes was on slower circuits like Monaco last year where it was... You know, yeah, and, and, and you'll trough. have you'll have peaks and troughs like that, but we're talking about right. trends throughout the season and last season. Mercedes what? at this point, even though they had some dips along the way, at this point, this is where Mercedes started to woo into the distance. Well, you won't know. You won't know what the trend of the season is until the season's over. I think so. it looks obvious from here. To me, it looks obvious from here. Trumpets quickly. Yeah, I, I, that that power is only an advantage in a circuit that allows them to deploy it. Uh, Red Bull. Well, it's interesting. I'm not convinced. Red Bull has some work to do on their updates. The car was a little tricky to drive, trickier than I think they thought it was going to be. But at the end of the day, if you took a Mercedes lump and stuffed it in the back of Red Bull, I think the Red Bull would still be the fastest of all cars. And 
again, with Ferrari, it's going to be interesting to see what they can make of their updates at Monaco, which is one of the least power sensitive tracks on the entire circuit. I agree. I mean, we were talking uh, about, you know, how tricky the Friday practice conditions were. Those kind of conditions really highlight the trickier cars to drive. So in those conditions, you always see the Sauber, the Williams going off. To me, what was a surprise was the Red Bull, you know, being a bit twitchy, a bit nervous and, and, and being one of the cars that we saw spinning a little bit more often. I was quite surprised to see that. OK, let's go on to our awards then. Right, Justin, keep an eye out on the chat room see who they are giving the awards to. And also, I want to hear your award also. So, Matt Trumpets, who gets the thing of the weekend from you? Magnuson and Haas. Awesome. Good car driver combination. Chris Stevens, who's your thing of the weekend? Leclerc. Simple, plain as. Even in that Sauber, you think he can impress this season? I was, you know, I was very skeptical about Leclerc because I've seen too many guys come in from the junior formula, hit F1, and not do brilliantly. But it, I think this this guy's, you know, got got something good going on at the moment. Do you know? I never give the thing of the weekend to Hamilton, but I'm going to this weekend because he's clearly not been dominating, and he was lucky to have the lead of the championship. But this is the perfect response from a four-time world champion on his way to a fifth, 27 seconds up the road from your nearest title competitor. Sorry, Bottas, I don't think you are a title challenger yet. Justin, who is your personal thing of the weekend and what does the chat room think should get that thing? Yeah, um, I was also going to say Leclerc and the chat room's also agreeing. Um, no, talk that doesn't about work like him that. defending from Alonso. Yeah. Um, keeping him in his rear view. It seems like any track that he has experience on, he does pretty well on. So it's just about it giving him a little bit of time, it seems. What about you, Justin, from Washington? Who's your thing of the weekend? Uh, I was going to say Leclerc. Well, and then I was going to say Hamilton. You took it. I know. Yeah. So I'll say Botas for putting uh, Mercedes back on the front row. Yeah. And Botas has done a solid job as a number two. And with Kimi Raikkonen uh, always getting the bum strategy calls, uh, I think that Botas is probably going to finish third or second in the world championship. So we go on to the more negative thing. We don't like being negative here. That's a lie. We love it on occasion when appropriate. Oh, no. You missed the apex, Chris. Who missed the apex this week? Stoffel Van Dorn. Ouch. Yes. It's it, it's getting into that that time. Last year you could forgive him for, you know, not being on Alonso's pace, but it's getting to a point where, you know, you almost expect him to be three or four tenths away from Fernando. And I know that's quite the benchmark, but he's he's got to start getting there. And he picked up quite a silly penalty today when he cut turn one and it's doing him no favours. But for Stoffel, we are judging him by the highest possible standards and it is not his rookie season. Are are we expecting a bit too much? I mean, Verstappen's had three seasons of playing billiards with cars and we still think he's the greatest. But see, that's the thing. It's people like Verstappen who will make people like Van Dorn look bad. And Mm. the guy was phenomenal in GP2. You know, we think Leclerc dominated it. Van Dorn was on another level. Yeah, but it's just maybe Van Dorn's teammate is Fernando Alonso. Have you, I know. Have you seen Fernando Alonso? He's wicked crazy good. But Lewis Hamilton came in and was able to fight for a championship alongside Alonso. In, right. Yeah. And then, oh, you know, the car isn't, you know, brilliant, but it, it's getting to a point where he's got to be under some sort of pressure from the team now, because if, you know, the, we're looking at Alonso thinking that he's going to retire at the end of the year and, focus mainly on on WEC or something you know and 
you you will need somebody to lead that team and and become your new Fernando. And I don't Stoffel's not there yet. Who do you think then, Norris? I think I think Norris is definitely a shoe in. I I think they're overlooking Nick the Free at the moment, unfortunately. And although Jack, and if, Jack Aitken also bossing it. Yeah, Jack Aitken, although he's you know uh, well actually with McLaren being a Renault customer now, yep. <laughs> you know Renault might you know lend them a fiver if they put them. I, I'd be I'd be up. really really keen if we if only we had the time to see a missed Apex extra feed that covered GP2 GP3 because there's some really fascinating things going on there. However, we don't have the time. We do have time for Matt Trumpets to tell us who missed the Apex for him. Oh my goodness! Talk about a target-rich environment. It's a bad one. Uh, oh no, it, it, it's it's horrible. There were so many. I mean, the obvious one being Grosjean, of course, because he quite literally missed it uh, until he crossed the road to try and find it, and that turned out to be a bad idea. Uh, we have Ocon's power unit completely missed the apex. We have Raikkonen's power unit missing the apex. Ferrari in general missing the apex. But when you're talking about apexes and you're talking about things that are being missed. There is zero doubt that F1 TV just completely blew it. And yeah. it's hard for me to overlook that, even though I'm so completely in their corner. Yeah. And it, we must stress that offline, you and I have been talking about that endeavor with great enthusiasm. Pretty much everything they're doing, we agree with. We love the app. We love the content they're putting out. But, oh, wow, if you're going to put out, if you're going to say we're going to broadcast you the race... And then somebody pays their money. They got it back. That's fine. But a lot of people didn't, for example, buy a Now TV sports pass or the equivalent in America because they thought they were going to sit down and watch it through the app. Now, if you sit down to watch that and it suddenly cuts out, what are you going to do? You're going to go on the forums and say, tell me how I can get a stream of this race through any means at all, because I am an honest man. I have paid my money. Now just tell me where I can get my eyes on the race. And there is, I would say, probably a million people now that have discovered very good private, uh, sorry, not private, pirate streams of Formula One with all the good intentions of the world, but they've, they've blown it. So, uh, Justin, who missed the apex for you? Uh, you guys took all the good ones for this week, so I'll say Alonzo's weather reporting, Mr. <laughs> uh, yeah, and also Hulkenberg as well. Uh, it was m- more through kind of optimism. He's like, yeah, no, I think it might rain. Yeah, there right. probably might please, be rain. Please let it rain. <laughs> what about the chat room? Who are they saying has missed the apex? Uh, we've got Kimmy's engine in there. We've got the pit lane painting of Spanish. Oh, Spanish! Yes, how could you? How does that get through a company to have Spanish written it's not in the, the first pit time lane? this year yeah. either. To be fair, with all the you know the the Catalan independence stuff going on there at the moment, it is kind of Spain-ish. Uh, <laughs> I, I did wonder whether it was a political statement. That's hilarious. Wow, Chris, I I didn't know you like you know read any news outside of motorsport. I was That's there really when it was in testing last season. The place we were staying at had a massive Catalan flag on the building, and we were a little bit nervous because um, we didn't we didn't kind of know if, if this is come, some kind of political hotspot we were staying in. Okay, hands up. Does anybody have a pony award? I have Daddy, a pony award. I want a pony, and I want it now. It's all right, you're rusty, Chris, because you've been gallivanting around the country trying to become a real journalist instead of concentrating on my shed production and the very narrow window in which I like to operate. Uh, so before your pony, though, uh, do you want to give us any kind of news on your career? Um, yeah, it's been going rather well. Um, you know, I've been following formally around and hopefully we'll be doing so for the rest of uh, the current 
season. You can find all that at f***herd.com. Um, stuff happening with Autosport still. Um, doing the 750 Motor Club stuff, you know, same as usual. Really, really enjoying it. Follow me on Twitter, cstevens underscore journo. That just explain to the listeners why they just heard a beep just then. I do like reciprocal oh. uh, promotion. So, you know, have a word with them and uh, we'll get that on beep for you. Anyway, go on. Your Pony oh, Award. No, it's, it's, it's fine. I'll, I'll do it. Sweet. Pony Award. Okay. Yeah, the, my Pony Award uh, is uh, is going to be whoever uh, it was in the stewards or whoever, uh, you know, decides the stuff. I can't think of it at the moment. Uh, said, yes, you can have uh, halo mounted wing mirrors, sees the halo mounted wing mirrors, and then goes, no, you can't have halo mounted wing mirrors. Just bad, isn't it, Chompits? That's bad. They looked bad. Yeah. Well, I, somehow they didn't foresee that the Formula One teams would be clever. I don't know how that's possible, but that would apparently be the case. Any ponies for you? You know, um, I've been thinking about the whole time uh, Stephen's been waffling on. And it, it's really hard because a lot of our potential ponies were just taken out of the race right at the first turn. Yeah. So uh, thank you to Roman Grosjean for doing us, I guess, that service. <laughs> Actually, though, I will go uh, pretty much at least 50% of the people who bought F1 TV definitely get a Pony Award. I mean, justified, but wow, were you guys vocal online. Uh, let's see, chat room host, thank you for looking after the chat room and hanging out with us today. Justin Hyde, uh, where can people find you online should you wish to build a social following? Sure, I'm on Twitter at, at Justin Hyde. Um, that's about it. I don't really have any sort of media personality stuff, but thanks for having me, guys. It was a great time. Chat You're, room. It's, I think we broke a record. This thing's moving so fast. <laughs> it is. It is a challenge. And I think everybody that sits in that chair goes, oh, oh, wow. I, I wish I had, you know, a notepad and pen or something to hand. It goes past surprisingly fast. Trumpets, where can people find you to get updates on books, albums, et cetera, et cetera, your flight details, uh, your national security number? Yeah, absolutely. At Matt PT55 on the Twitters. And of course, my wonderful and amazing wife at A Weaver Writes on the Twitters will tell you when and where her next exciting things are happening. And, you know, if you're willing to pony up a few bucks a month, you might even get to talk to my daughter on the Slack chat about Eurovision, <laughs> which I think maybe that was going to be my missed apex because, I mean, come on, Czechoslovakia ruled. Yawn. Eurovision was awesome. Once again, Sparkles, you are completely wrong about everything. Follow me at Spanners Ready and the show at Missed Apex F1 if you like what we're doing here and you think we should launch into being a proper grown-up media motorsport thing. Support us on Patreon and help us unlock some time to push, push, push. Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. There is one thing left in this show and that is for Justin to tell us who has won. Comment of the week. Alrighty, comment of the week is going to go to Chris Fonseca. Um, F1 TV brought to you by Williams Advanced Engineering. Comment of the week. That is a sick burn. Guys, join us in a few weeks' time for the Monaco race review and lots of fun content in between. Until we see you again, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. Yeah, I'm not going to edit that. I'm just going to 
admit that I don't know when Monaco is. I assume it's in two weeks' time. Two weeks' time? Three weeks. Two. Two weeks' time. See you in two weeks' time, then. I guess I should uh, I should plan my outros as well as I plan the intros. What do you think? Nah. <laughs> Can I just say, Fonseca has just trumped his own comment of the week by saying, funny how the map chat room can handle more viewers than F1 TV. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Right, well, that stays in the show now. Um... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market